Hi, I'm Ben Pilgreen, lead pastor of Epic Church in San Francisco, and I want to welcome you to the podcast. Our vision here is to see an increasing number of people in San Francisco orient their entire lives around Jesus. But whether you're listening in from the city that we love here by the bay or wherever you might happen to be in the world today, I want you to know that I'm excited about what God is doing in your life and what he's doing in our Epic Church community. I hope you'll find this message encouraging and that it will inspire you to take your next steps along your faith journey. Well, there, there are so many things coming up that our team and our church, we're excited about and want you to jump in. We've been looking forward to April for just a variety of reasons, super excited about what's to come. Isn't it funny how our desires change over time? Just me? Isn't it funny how I think about, I've got three teenage sons, and I think about when they were little, they would just constantly say to me, Dad, I just want to get bigger, I just want to get bigger, I just want to get bigger, and I'm like, you just wait. Adults, can we testify that there's going to come a day where you no longer want to get bigger? I just want to get smaller, I just want to get smaller, I just want to get smaller. How many of you can remember back to your teenage days or your university days when it was like the prize to stay up all night? I don't even know why it was a prize, but somehow, like as I'm parenting teens, I'm like, yeah, just, Dad, can we stay up all night? Can we stay up all night? And, and you, you love doing that, right? You were staying up all night as a teenager, as a college student. Um, but now you're a mom or dad, and you would pay someone good money just to let you go to sleep early? It's crazy how our desires change. I want you to think about, seriously, something that you used to want so badly, but now you don't want at all. Think about that person you wanted to ask you out, ladies, on that first date, and they finally did, and you're like, there's not going to be a second date. I think about so many people that talk to me, Ben, I've got this job interview. This is the job for me. I've got to have this job. So we pray the job in. You go for it and you have a great first day. 14 months later, we're hanging out for lunch. You're like, Ben, I've got to get rid of this job. Why do our desires change so much over time? Sometimes we just become interested in something else. Or if you're like me, anybody besides me get really bored in life? Yeah, I just, get, I just get bored with the same old thing. And so some of you may not know this, but before I came to Epic, the longest I'd had a job in my entire life was three years, which I thought was really short until I started being around all of the tech people here. <laughs> like nine months and I'm bouncing. I'm like, well, do, do your thing, you know? Uh, but but I, I would just, some of it, I just wanted to be doing something else. And so it's been fun to try to like kind of come up with things to start doing here at Epic so I can keep the same job but not get not get bored. And living in a city like San Francisco should keep you from being bored. But our desires, they just, it's interesting. They change over time. And to be honest, if we live out the vision God has given us as a church and as individuals to orient more and more of our life around Jesus, you guys, our desires should shift over time. In fact, I want to say to you that one of the ways we can measure our spiritual growth is not so much overnight, but over the long haul, how have your desires changed? I think about what I used to even pray about. Anybody besides me? It's like, God, all I want is this. And my whole prayer life was about just give me, give me, give me particular things that I'm no longer interested in now. And over time, what happens is our, our desires change. And so I just want to submit to you before we get into the message today, if God chooses to change your desires, just know that's a good thing. There's a lot in the scriptures about desires. And, you know, one of the things I love is that God really wants to know what's on our hearts. I love that. I love Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the 
desires of your heart. I, I love, I think it's Psalm 20, verse 4. May all your plans succeed, and may God give you the desires of your heart. We're still in this corrective lenses series out of Mark chapter 10. If you want to turn to where we're headed, it's um, verses 35 through 45 of Mark chapter 10. And I want to walk us into this moment. I'm calling the message today, Change What We Want. Change what we want. Let me walk you into this moment before we stand up and I'll read it to us. According to Mark, what has just happened is Jesus calls his disciples aside and he said to them, guys, I'm going to be condemned to death. I'm going to be mocked, spit on, flogged, and then I'm going to be killed. And then I will rise three days later. Now tell me, have you ever been sharing your heart with someone, like the depths of your heart with someone, and their response lets you know that either they didn't hear you or they don't care about you? I'm for real. Some of you just need to like get that off your chest. Like Jesus is just telling his guys, guys, I'm going to be mocked, flogged, beaten, condemned to death, and they're about to make a request of him. I want you to stand and listen to it in that context. Mark 10, 35 through 45 Remember, he's just been telling them, here's how I'm going to go out. Here's what's about to happen to me. And then here we go. Then, Mark's saying, as if to say, right after that happened, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) I'm going to be flogged, beaten, mocked, spit on. Hey, I've got a request over here. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, They became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You may be seated Again, the title of this message is Change What We Want. Just right out of the gate, they're like, Jesus, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. You've got to love their honesty, right? So many of us, I wonder, and this isn't the point of the message, but I wonder how many of us are even being honest with God about what we want. But they're not pretending. They're like, here's what we really want you to do for us. Now, in Matthew's gospel... See, who, who, who knows that part of the story? In Matthew's gospel, who does, who does Matthew tell us is the one who asks on James and John's behalf this question to Jesus? Their, their mom. Now, I'm going to teach this story, but I've got to be honest with you. If Matthew's right, if it was their mom that made this request to Jesus, I've got a massive problem with that. I mean, in case anybody's doing that, I don't, I don't hear these stories, but if you're taking your mom to your job interview, stop it. All right? If your mom is texting the girl, guys, to ask her out and talking about how great you were in the seventh grade spelling bee, stop it. If their mom is asking, I mean, come on. 
And Jesus asked this question that he asked a few different times, and it's this. What do you want me to do for you? I want to make a confession to you. Genuinely. I've got a lot going on in my life, but I don't even know if I know how to articulate my answer to that question like I should. You ever been there? Ben, what do you, I, I don't even know. I'm just doing the thing. I'm just doing the thing that I think I'm supposed to be doing. Do you know what the answer is to that question for you? What do you want me to do for you? You know, I, I think in its simplest form, prayer is two primary things. I believe it is, is expressing our desires and then surrendering our desires. And most of us do one of those two really well. Can I get a witness? Some of us are great at like, I want, I want, I want, I want, Amen. Others of us don't even go there. We just bypass it. Whatever you want, whatever you want. If it's the Lord's will, if it's the Lord's will. And what God wants us to do, you guys, is I think hold them in tandem. God, here's what I want and I'm willing to submit it. Here's what I'm after, but if you want something else, then I'll give it something else. And Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? In fact, just a few verses later in verse 51, um, he encounters a man named Bartimaeus and Bartimaeus is blind. And Jesus asks him the exact same question in verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? All I want to say is this, let's start coming up with really um, genuine answers to that question. And I'm going to give you the principle really in two parts. Here it is. Jesus wants to know what you want, even when he wants you to want something different. Jesus wants to know what you want, even when he wants you to want something different. I, just starting today, as we think about change what we want, that's the title, but let's just start by being honest. Here's what I want. I want this position. I want this power. I want the relationship. I want the baby. Like, just, just be honest. He, God is not a killjoy. A lot of people, some of us have grown up in this belief that God is just out to crush our desires, and I do not believe that's true. He wants to know what we want, even if he does want to change some of what we want. And you don't have to pretend with Jesus, but he is after our ongoing transformation. And we should be after our ongoing transformation. And James and John, they just come right out. They are not unlike me at times. They are very clear about what they want. And they're just saying to Jesus, here's what we want. When that moment of glory comes, would you allow one of us to be on your right-hand side and the other of us to be on your left-hand side? I don't know what image comes to your mind when you read about this, but for me, always, the first thing I think about is like that medal uh, reward, awards moment in the Olympics. Anybody else? Like That's always the visual that I get, and it's as if they're saying, Jesus, we know you're gold. But if you'll just give us silver and bronze, like we will be Good. We want that powerful spot. We want that privilege. We want that position. We want that acclaim. We want that recognition. And Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking. He's essentially saying to them, you don't know what is on the path to that kind of glory. And if we're honest, our default as human beings, we want glory, but we don't want the sacrifice that comes with it. He's like, you, you don't even know what you're asking. And then he says to them, you will actually drink the cup and you will be baptized with the baptism I'm about to undergo. If you know how their lives play out as disciples, you understand how that happens. Now, when the other 10 of the 12 disciples heard what James and John or perhaps their mom have just done, they're upset. Why do you think they're so angry with James and John? Is it because they're like, guys, you're, you can't have that selfish ambition. You've got to lay your life down. Just, we're all laying our life down. No, the reason they're upset is because now those two guys are going to have more prominent positions than the 10 of them have. 
a lot of what I hear us say today is we have a problem with people in power for good reason. But let me say what is often the case for all of us is this. We have a problem with the people who have the power we wish we had. Because just watch, people are like, I can't, no one should have power, no one should have power. And then they get in power and they're like, I'm good with this. A lot of times the problem we have with power is that people have the power that we wish we had. We wish we could do that. We wish we had that position. We wish we had that kind of authority. And and these ten are upset with them. They, They want the power that James and John are asking about. And Jesus, I love how it says this as I get my just imagination going. It says, Jesus, even though they're kind of all in the same place, Jesus calls them together. You guys know how this goes, right? As a mom or dad, as a leader, as a boss. Hey guys, come here. And he says, listen, I want to tell you something all of you know. You know how the Gentile rulers lord their position over those under their position. And you know how they exercise authority over everyone under them. You know how power works. And all of us in 2022 are saying, wow, some things haven't changed in 2,000 years, right? When we look at world leaders, when we look at executives, when we look at church leaders, when sometimes we look at parents who exercise their power over their children, right, and treat them a certain way, and we're just like, some things haven't changed at all. Well, Jesus says, you know what they do out there? He just says, I need you guys to know something in here, in this kingdom, we're going to do it different. And then he gives a phrase that is such a gift of a phrase. It's a phrase I want to encourage you as you think about your own formation. Just often ask, where is Jesus saying this to me? He just gives us this four-word phrase, not so with you. Not so with you. I know a lot of married couples live it that way, Ben. Not so with you. Ben, I know a lot of dads aren't present in their kids' lives. Not so with you. Ben, a lot of people hold on to their money. I want you to give it away. Not so with you. And he's saying to them, and he's saying to us, you know how a lot of people utilize their power and their position and their privilege to dominate those under them? I just want you to know, we're not going to do it that way. And if you're going to orient your life around Jesus, we have to hear him say this. This is why I think Romans chapter 12, verse 2 is such a gift to us. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You guys, we've got to take this in for our own formation, for our own transformation. Just constantly go, okay, what, and, and, it, and it's not making a distinction so that we think the world is bad and we are good. That's not the distinction. The distinction is I belong to Jesus if I am a Christ follower and I want to be formed in his ways. This is what Paul says, I think, in Galatians 4.19. He's like, I'm in the pains of childbirth, he tells the Galatians, until Christ is formed in you. And we keep saying this as a church because we need to take it in. Guys, all of us are being formed. And what Jesus knew then is what he knows now. If he's not intentionally forming us, then we're going to look just like everyone out there in the worldly kingdom. But we've been called to something else. So he wants to say to you and to me, not so with you, not so with you, not so with you. I want you to be transformed. I don't want you to conform. I want you to be transformed. But I don't know if you're like me. If I'm not intentional with my formation, I know who I'm going to become. I know who I'm going to become if I'm not intentional with my own Formation. And again, there is, I think, rightfully so, a lot of outrage over those with power and privilege today. 
But I want to remind all of us that power and privilege aren't the issue. And I want to demonstrate this truth by just asking a series of questions. Is the internet bad or good? Is social media bad or good? Is wealth bad or good? Is ambition bad or good? Come on, come on, nuance it for me. It it's neither. It depends. What does it depend on? It depends on what I do with the internet, what I do with my social media, what I do with my wealth, what I do with my ambition. And you guys, the same thing is true with power and privilege. So we have to ask this question. What are we doing with our power, privilege, and position? It's elementary to argue whether it's good or bad. You just, and and here's what I want to do. I don't know about you guys, but I want to get upset at everyone else with what they're doing with theirs. Anybody besides me? And it's not that I can't do that. I think I can in the right kinds of ways. But I think what Jesus wants to keep whispering to me and whispering to you has been, we're going to start with you answering this question. And then you know what a lot of us do? I don't have any power. I don't have any privilege. I don't have any position. Guys, for most of us, we have some, if not a lot of all of those. For most of us. We're like, oh, but I don't have as many followers. I don't have as much influence. I don't have, my, I'm not the, what are you doing with what you do have? What are you doing with what you do have? Do you have children? What are you doing with your power over them? Do you have any position at work? What are you doing with that position? We all have some privilege just by the fact that we're living here. Some privilege. What are you doing with that? And I want to remind us to take our cues from the one who shows us what it's like to lay down his life. You'll see all of these scriptures on the screen, but Philippians 2, verses 6 and 7, this was a hymn in the first century, and Paul writes it to the church at Philippi about Jesus, where he just says, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Isn't that stunning? The one who has all the power in the universe doesn't use that power to his own advantage. Wouldn't it be refreshing to see other people in power do the same? But again, I've got to look in the mirror and go, Ben, how are you using your power? What are you doing with what you've been given? Ben, you have this position. What are you doing with it? And yet Jesus just keeps talking about taking the lowest seat. I mean, he takes on the form of a servant. He made himself nothing. I mean, how many leaders are doing that today? We've got non-powerful people doing everything they can to make themselves something. Jesus just keeps talking about taking the lowest seat. Look at John 13, verse 3 through 5. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He knew that all things had been put under his power. So he got up to serve. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I love that part. It says, Jesus knew where he had come from, and he knew where he was going. 
So he served. We need to unlock that, don't we? We need to ask, what does John mean? Why does John put these, what seem to be disparate parts, how does he, he brings them together. Why does he bring them together? What's the significance? Jesus knew where he'd come from. He knew where he was going, so he got up to serve. In other words, Jesus knew his identity and he knew his destination, so he got up to serve. What's the point, Ben? What is the point about Jesus having power? What is the point about him knowing his identity and his destination? Here is the point. When we are grasping for power, perhaps it's because we've forgotten our inheritance as sons and daughters of God. Guys, I and you, we are jockeying for a position when we've been given the highest privilege in the universe. John 1, 12, yet to all who received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. 1 John 3, 1, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should even be called the children of God. Give me some Romans. He did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father, and we're trying to make vice president, and you don't know you're a daughter of the king. There's not a higher privilege. You don't have to, listen, if God gives you different position, that is awesome. I am for that. I am not the poverty mindset guy. I'm just telling you, there's not a greater privilege in your future than the one you have right now if you're a child of God. That's what, Jesus knew where he stood with God. That was enough so he could serve. You know who never serves? Those who are always jockeying for position. He gets up and he lays his life down. He lays his life down. Now, some of you are saying, Ben, I'm so glad everyone else who doesn't serve is hearing this message about being a servant. <laughs> and it's true around here. It takes an army of people on the serving team to make church go. We'll talk about that in a moment. But is it possible for those of you who are serving already, is it possible you forgot your why? Is it possible you're serving out of duty or obligation? Is it possible you're serving to be seen or rewarded? Perhaps the most famous story Jesus ever told is the parable of the prodigal son. And in that story, Jesus said there was a father who had two sons. The younger one asked for his inheritance while the son was alive. And he goes and he blows that money in wild and reckless living. He finds himself in a distant country. In desperation, he comes back wanting to be employed by his father's estate. When he gets back, the father gives him a surprise response. My son is home, and he throws a party. You talk about serving someone that I wouldn't want to serve, maybe. Well, it's called the parable of the prodigal son. There aren't, there, there's not just one son. How many sons are there? There are two. And the older one doesn't come into the party. Do you remember this? Do you remember why the older one doesn't come into the party? I've never taught this concept around servanthood. Let me show you from Luke 15, 28 through 30. Luke 15, 28 through 30. The older brother became angry, right? Just think about these emotions. Sometimes, guys, we appear to be servants, but we aren't at all. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, and here's the key. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Do you hear that voice? What does it look like? It looks like the older son has never left. And his father's trying to entreat him. Come on. 
Let's go party. He's like, I've been slaving for you all these years. I never left. Oh, he's been serving, but only out of duty and only out of obligation and never out of joy. And I wonder, because I know I go through seasons where I serve out of the have to. If I can be honest, just spending some time this weekend looking at what I call my objectives for the next week and the next month, I'm like, oh, gosh. And I began to just get in a have-to mindset. And just confessing that now to you, but even to God last night, God, I want, I want to have the joy of serving again. I want to have the joy of, because when Jesus lays down his life, he doesn't do it out of duty. You guys know this, right? He doesn't do it out of, anybody glad Jesus offers himself for you, not because he has to, but because he wants to. We get this in Hebrews 12 too, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the, the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for the joy. And I juxtapose this older brother, how he served his father and how Jesus served his father and how he served us. And I just need all of us to know this, self-absorbed people are the least joyful people on earth. It's a lie that if you make your life all about you, you'll get more joy. I believe you'll lose joy. Self-absorbed people are the least joyful people on earth. You're like, why is it not working out? I'm doing everything that I want to do. I'm doing everything for me. I'm not spending time with anyone else, but I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. My life has no meaning. And that's because a life all about you never will. I love this from Paul David Tripp in his book, Lead, a great leadership book. It was super challenging. But listen to what he says about this. He says, what is the motivational joy in the heart of a true servant? The joy of a true servant is not power. The joy of a true servant is not control. The joy of a true servant is not acclaim. The joy of a true servant is not comfort or ease. And of course, the joy of a true servant is not position. What gives a servant joy in being a servant is service. Ouch, anybody? I'm like, oh. I wanted to get the acclaim and it to be comfortable and easy and da-da-da. In his book, The Wounded Healer, Henry Nouwen writes this, the beginning and end of all Christian leadership is to give your life for others. And some of you are like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not a leader. Let me change Henry's word just for a moment. I'll say the beginning and end of all Christian living, leadership or not, is giving our lives for others. So the question we've got to ask is this. From the youngest to the oldest in this room, here's the question. Who are you giving your life to? Who are you giving your life to? Who in your home are you giving your life to? Who in your neighborhood are you giving your life to? Who at the office are you giving your life to? Who in this church community are you giving your life to? Who in the city or the world are you giving your life to? And you're like, Ben, how many people have to be on the list? I don't think there has to be a ton. I just know there has to be someone there. And seasons come and go. You're like, Ben, I don't have power. I don't have influence. I don't even lead a team. You, you, there's someone that you can serve because we don't have to just serve down. We can serve up. We can serve down. We can serve all around. Let me give you some applications based on what we've talked about so far. The first one that you heard from a tool I want to give to you, join a team 
Join a team of joyful servants around here and, and decide what might happen if you were to become the kind of person we've described. You can join the worship team, the production. I mean, I can't, but you can. I, the worship team, the production team, the host team, the kids team, the students team, the weekday team, the groups team, the partnership team. We've got all kinds of teams. And it's crazy what makes things go around here. But I want to encourage you to join the team. You're like, Ben, I don't feel like a servant. Maybe I should have God change my desires, and then I'll start serving. Guys, it can work both ways. You might have a desire to serve, and now we're giving you the opportunity. But even if you don't have a desire, step into the opportunity and see what happens. Oftentimes, I get formed when I activate something in my life, even when it goes against what I want to do, right? I, you guys who have heard me preach for the last 12 years, you know that two years ago, I quit being able to make jokes about people who are runners because I became a runner. That's why you're like, why, where did the marathon jokes go? Okay, I'm not doing marathons, but, but when I started, I didn't run because I was a runner. I ran because I wanted to become a runner, and I wanted to keep eating donuts. True. You've got to figure it out. You might not be a servant. You know how you become one? Start serving. Join a team. Next Sunday night, we're going to have a great meal together, nice dinner. Seth's going to lead us in some worship. John's going to talk to, about how movements happen through a culture of prayer. And this is so cool. We have more people RSVP'd for a team night than we've ever had before. When I looked uh, yesterday, there's 152 people going to be in this room. And you know what's wild? Sundays are awesome. Sunday mornings are awesome for worship. But there's something crazy sacred when you're worshiping with everyone who's on the team. And then you're going to divide up in your teams to get your individual assignments or training or inspiration. It's going to be incredible. So I want to encourage you. You can go to epicsf.com teams. You can fill out a card in the seats. That's one opportunity. The second one is this. Just start getting honest with Jesus about your desires. And a, and a real simple prayer is this. Jesus, here's what I want. Fill in the blank. And then say, but if you want something different than what I want, change my desires. Here's what I want. But if you want something different, give me different desires. The third kind of application based just on what we've heard today is, where in your life is Jesus wanting just gently whisper to you, hey, I know that's how everyone at the office does it, not so with you. I know that's how everyone does it in your extended family, so you may have some excuses, but I'm still saying not so with you. I know that's how Christians are doing it on social media in the world. My gosh. Oh, Lord, help us. But he says, not so with you. I want you to use yours to bring life and life and hope and encouragement. And then the fourth thing, if you've lost your joy in serving, ask Jesus to restore that joy. Some of us, I don't know about you, but for me, I needed, I needed to ask him, remind me why I got into this to begin with. Why did I step into this to begin with? Why, when I was a teenager, did I decide to serve with a three- and four-year-old class at the small church that I grew up in? Why did I get in this? I got in it to help people, but guys, that stuff can veer so far from how we initially started. It's crazy how so many of you make this church go. I'm so grateful. And you need to know this. Not one of us in this room know all that's happening in this church community. But I can tell you this, Thursday morning I walked in here 
because I don't know all this happening. Thursday morning, I walked in here, and my eyes met a lady who was in this room, and she was literally cleaning the back of a chair. Stuff we don't even think about. I mean, I'm like, we don't even turn the lights on anymore. You don't have to do that. Just scrubbing the chair. Big smile. Volunteer. That's it. That's it. That's the heart that I want. That's the joy that I want. That's the difference making that I want to be involved in. And I want to invite you into that too. It's not lost on me that today is a day that we also celebrate communion. And in a moment, I'm going to pray, and then the elements, there's two tables here, one towards the back, and you'll just grab this, and then um, I'll come back up to lead us in that moment. But when I think about the one who had all power offering his life for us, I am still stunned by that, and I think we should never get over it. If you go through the Gospels and study the power dynamics, there's one that just, I was looking at it this morning, I was like, this is crazy. In John chapter 19, I believe it's verses 9 and 10, Pilate, the governor of Judea, he's trying to, he's really, he sounds like he's trying to help Jesus out by asking Jesus questions. We'll talk later about Pilate, and I'm going to do a message on how to become a non-anxious presence, I think on May 22nd, and I just need you to know, Pilate was not a non-anxious presence. He was super reactive to the people around him. But he's getting Jesus to try to answer these questions, and Jesus doesn't say anything. And then Pilate asks Jesus this. He says to Jesus, just imagine, powerful person in the whole universe. Pilate says, don't you know that I have the power to free you or crucify you? And Jesus says, The only power that you have is that which has been given to you from above. And I think if I'm in that moment, I'm using everything I can to get out of that situation, and Jesus just remains silent. And the one for whom everything was under his power uses his power, disciplines himself, and offers his life. Offers his life. And if you've never been served by the true Love and power and compassion of Jesus, today is a day to be served by him. And for all of us, it's a day to be reminded that he, in joy, with joy, with joy, offered his life for us. As you consider what you've heard today, what desires might God want to change in you? When you walked in today, what would you have honestly said, this is what I want, and maybe this same desire is okay, but maybe there needs to be a shift. And again, guys, this doesn't usually happen overnight, but it can happen over time if we head in the right path, down the right path and in the right direction. But today we celebrate the one who gave his life for us. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much that you have given us such this massive example of what we can do with our power, our privilege, God, our position. Jesus, thank you that you did it with joy. So often we're doing it out of have to, we're doing it out of duty, but you did it with joy. Jesus, where do you want to form us? Where do you want to say to us, not so with you, I've got something better for you in this kingdom?
And Jesus, we want to just honestly say, here's what we want. We really want to have prominent roles. We want to have prominent positions. We want to be somebody, but, but could we die to that? And could we, could we have you change our desires? I love that promise from the psalm, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. God, sometimes though, when we delight ourselves in you, you change the desires of our hearts. Jesus, knowing all power was yours, you got up from a meal where every one of those 12 men, they were going to desert you. They were going to flee you. And you still, so often for me, God, if I'm honest, I want to serve those who will appreciate and applaud my service. But you're laying your life down for the very people who will abandon you. Help us to serve in that way. God, thank you for every man, woman, boy and girl. I love seeing the young and the old on our epic teams. God, would you grow these teams, God? Would you give us joy as we serve this community and this city and our world? God, thank you for what you're up to. We come to the table now and we just proclaim to you that we want to offer our lives in service just like you offered your life to serve us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and stand and begin to make your way. If you're a Christian, this communion's for you. Go ahead and stand. If you become a Christian this morning, this can be your very first communion experience as a Christ follower. And then I'll come back and lead us in the elements. Thank you so much for joining us on the Epic Church Podcast today. If you would like to learn more, you can go to epicsf.com. I want to also encourage you to download the Epic SF app so that you can keep up with everything that God is doing in and through this community in downtown San Francisco.